Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight Podcast from LondonTheatre.co.uk with me, Will Longman. For this episode, my guest is Adam Gillen, known to many for his on-screen role in the ITV sitcom Benadorm. His recent stage roles include his brilliant portrayal of Mozart in the National Theatre's production of Amadeus and his Olivier Award-nominated role in Tracy Let's Play Killer Joe. We met in rehearsals for his latest project, Radio, which currently runs at the Arcola Theatre until the 13th of July, but is also available to listen to through Audible whenever it takes your fancy. Over the course of the hour, we talked about Adam's fascination with sound in theatre, the lasting impact his teachers have had on him, taking his character's character home with him night after night, show after show, and his thought process behind the artistic decision to make Mozart dab. But first, he told me a little bit more about the play he's in right now. It's called Radio M. It's about a young man that returns from Vietnam in the in the seventies, and um, he uh, it's sort of a potted history of his family's family's uh, life up to his point, sort of generations of of. Uh, of history of of right fruit from the first settlers in America, all the way through to his 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 family and how they've somehow found themselves at the center of things in terms of historical events by some some uh, some chance, and it's sort of yeah it's a it's a man who's it's it's uh he's sort of relaying all the incredible events that he seems to have encountered throughout his life, and uh, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 beautiful. It's beautifully written. And so, how does Spaceman come into it? Because the the poster for the the poster image it says it's quite a striking image yeah, of you in a. Yeah, it's very space heavy. It's um, he he uh, well, he's got aspirations to become an astronaut, and he he ends up in Vietnam, uh, because he has this desire to chase the American dream to, to this this he has this. This un, um, unquenchable sort of desire to become to for the, the American dream is imbued in him all this uh, optimism, and so he thinks he can he can achieve anything, and that takes him to to Vietnam. And um, yeah, I think he 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 hopes to become an astronaut, but never quite achieves it. And I think yeah, I don't really don't really know. What I'm, saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being not being very articulate. It's 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 a uh, it's sort of a cautionary tale about where dreams can take you if they remain unchecked. If you have um, endless, boundless optimism without anybody telling you you can't do something, you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. <laughs> I think that's quite... I'm yeah. quite impressed with that, actually. Yeah, for, I'm not being quite articulate. That was pretty articulate. <laughs> was all right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, because I'm trying to talk around the themes of the play a little bit, because you don't want to completely tell everybody exactly what it's about, you know? And if you want somebody to come and be surprised at a piece of theatre, if I, if, I, if I listened to this and knew exactly what was going to happen in a play, I wouldn't go and see it, no. <laughs> you know? So I think I'm trying to, I'm trying to talk around it a bit. Because <laughs> I know a lot of people that will, you know, not watch Game of Thrones. Mm but read all the spoilers and yeah. so they just know what's going on. And I think, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? The whole point is to be taken on a, a journey 
um, and not know, not know where you're going. And definitely with this, that is, um, that is what happens. It kind of begins in quite a, you, you meet quite a sad man, a sort of a broken man, and he's, he somehow relives almost a hundred years of history uh, of his own family and sort of guides you through it, guides you by the hand through it. And, um, and their family history along the way, they, 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 some incredible things happen to that family. And he's affected by that deeply. Um, and and he, we, we, we end the play and he has to take on that history of, of himself and he has to own that history and make his own history. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the story. I think that's the story. Trying to shed your family's history and take the responsibility to make your own memories, make your own history. Yeah, is that... Does that, does that make any sense at all? It does make sense. It seems like this has been a really good session for you. Yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe this was a, coming at an important time. Maybe I should have like thought about what the play's about before we had this interview. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to blow what you just said all out the water all about right. trying to avoid what the play's about. Because yeah. I read that it's based on Al Smith's, the playwright's father, yes. who worked as a young... He was a physicist, physicist on Apollo 11. On the Apollo missions, yeah. So it's very personal to him. Um, again, a man with an incredible history. He's not somebody you'd, you'd think would um, family would be part of the space race. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so that he's got a lot of personal ties to the subject matter. And and um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I've always been interested in space and, and science from an outsider's point of view but I've never been somebody that has uh delved into the details of what that means I've never been um I was I was never um fantastic at science at school it was never something that obviously it's a, a interesting fascinating subject but it's never something that I encountered so through Al I've been learning a lot about the magic of of what science can achieve and and the the sheer um the brilliance of the human mind and what what we at the same time uh, imagination should be checked but also reaching just beyond where you think you could can can achieve incredible things like going to the moon and leaving the planet and that that's that to me is just is is astounding and to, to, to even even the the initial thought that that could be something that people could we as the human race could achieve is has has landed on me throughout this experience um and that's been that's been wonderful you said that you weren't very good at science at school no were you a kid that wanted to be an astronaut or were you always a kid that wanted to be an actor um i think i was a kid that wanted to be a vet Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I was also allergic to a lot of animals. <laughs> I was quite, um, um, yeah, quite an ill child. Okay, so that wasn't really going to work out for me. But you just liked them from the off. I just had an affinity with animal. We, yeah, I, I, we, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't think I wanted to be an actor until um, a history teacher decided that I had, I was, I, I needed an outlet of a creative sort, um, either. I don't know. I can't remember if I was, I was either over, hyperactive or, or insular. 
and I think probably I bounced between the two during the day and she, she said that she, I needed an outlet and so I ended up going to a, a Saturday morning stage school and it really sort of brought me to life in a way that I hadn't been up to that point. And uh, I thought, oh, I like this. I like controlling the, controlling people's attention or, or controlling people's uh, perception of me. And that, that became sort of addictive. And I thought, well, I better do this because I'm allergic to horses. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it went. <laughs> so you liked animals from afar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. So from that Saturday morning stage school, how, yeah. did, you, how did you carry on? How did you take it forward? Well, I... Um, I had a wonderful uh, teacher called Alicia Bardsley in Stockport at the AB Centre of Performing Arts and we do uh, cabarets and, you know, skits and pantomimes and stuff like that and, uh, and she was very encouraging and um, a friend of mine, through work with her, decided to audition for drama schools and went to RADA and I thought, I want to do that as well. So... I sort of followed in, in his footsteps and, uh, and yeah, moved to London at 18, which was pretty scary. And, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that, that. Yeah, I'm really good at interviews. It's one of my strengths. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So, I mean, yeah, it must have been pretty scary at 18, living on your own. Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. I, did, I did not like living on my own. I went back every Friday night for the first term, almost the full first term, I spent all my student loan getting uh, trains on seven o'clock on a Friday night. We finish at six, I get on a train at seven, I'd be home for 10, and then I'd get the six o'clock train on the Monday morning to come back okay. almost every weekend because I was just so, I was frightened of the social life, I was frightened of, um, I was very timid. Um, I, I, we were in a, I first moved to Kentish Town and it was all a bit overwhelming yeah. and I don't think I could really really cope. I was very upset a lot of the time but I, I eventually got into the swing of it and made some wonderful friends and that made me feel more at home. But it was a, it was a difficult transition because 18 is it's really young, really young and especially to move to the big city and you know get used to that pace and that intensity and learn all the all the learning and all the meeting all the people. I, I was just quite a shy kid, I think. And, and I always, I think I'll always be at some level quite a shy human being that's compensating. <laughs> but, I, but I also had some wonderful teachers at, at RADA who, uh, who brought me out of myself. Mm -hmm. Teachers are amazing. You know, mm -hmm. teachers in, in, in how they, teachers that do it right, who, who, just know how what a person needs and can tailor their attention into different people in a class of 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 of, uh, of kids uh, are, are just just incredible. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for teachers. If I wasn't an actor, I think now I'd I'd be a teacher. Are there any teachers in your education that stick out? Definitely. Well, I had a. A teacher, Mr. McDermott, in the year five, and I was quite—I was an odd kid, I think. I was just a strange boy, and not everybody got it or got me, and uh, and that was quite lonely a lot of the time. But there was a, ma a man called Mr. McDermott, who uh, he—I don't know—he just seemed to understand what I was all about. Um, I can't remember in what way, but he—he's—he's he's always remained in my head of, as a very, a very uh, sort of paternal figure 
And then I had a teacher, John Biskitzer at drama school, who who just who seemed to show belief in me, and so I had this desire to please him, and so and all the lessons he's taught, I always go back to if I ever feel like. I'm not being very good or I'm not getting something in, in the material. I always go back to what he said in that room, you know, at the age of 18, 19, 20. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of responsibility to be a teacher because kids go off into their lives and, and, and I guess the, that particular teacher might not realise the impact that something that they've said and that, that, um, will, will have and that will last for 20, 30 years, you'll come back to that sentence and that moment that they said that thing and it changed everything. And so I've always, um, you know, if, if ever I've ever been in a position where I've done a bit of teaching or a bit of coaching, which isn't, a, I haven't done a lot of that, but I'll always, I always take on the responsibility of that role because I know the impact that it's had on me, those people, you know, those, those, little, those little gems of wisdom that you that you don't well, you don't really take on you don't really take on the weight of yourself because you don't realize the impact it might have and yeah it's, sim it's similar to writing in that way because if done right theater is about those moments that will have that impact on the yeah. audience right that they'll remember and keep coming back to those lines yeah so in that way in a play like radio mm. that's a one-man play mm. that's quite a lot of responsibility mm. on you then mm. It's massive, yeah. I've never done this before. Have you not? Um, I wrote a one-man play once upon a time, and um, but that never really came to fruition. I performed it, but I didn't, it didn't really come to fruition. But this is, I guess, the 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 trick or the uh, the um, aim is to try and make friends, mm -hmm. try and um, make people feel comfortable listening to you and creating the illusion of a conversation. <laughs> And create making it seem like you're it's a two way street when you're just kind of talking at people for an hour and a half or hopefully shorter if i <laughs> if I get on with it um um and yeah yeah i think the 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 illusion to to create is that that feeling of um the storyteller is your mate and um everything that he says is relatable. And so, yeah, it's it's a it's a really fine line to tread, talking with like with to to someone. But the difference between talking to someone and talking at someone is 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 the, the what I'm trying to achieve. Um, but it's 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 a very odd experience because you've got nobody to you've got your you've got yourself to bounce off <laughs> or uh, bounce kick into the next section or you. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've, I've, I've always been somebody that's been quite reactive um, in, in plays and performances. I always, a lot of my uh, choices have been made through what other people have done, and so I found myself responding in a certain way. And I, you just don't have that when, when it's just you talking to yourself day in, day out for four weeks. <laughs> so it might be, it might be nice to have other people to listen. I'm sure all the. I'm sure the director and, and, and stage management are sick of the sound of my voice. <laughs> um, I know I am. <laughs> well, the sound of your voice, one of the good things about this play is that people will be able to listen to it mm. afterwards. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, we are recording it for Audible um, for, uh, yeah, for, a, for a, a, broad, a broadcast or a, a download, I guess. Um, 
and this this play is very there's a there's a lot a lot of this plays about sound and about the creation of of um the sort of homemade creation of a soundscape and that's that's what audible has has um given us the opportunity to present that in a very full stereo way mm-hmm. um i've always been fascinated by the use of sound in theater ever since um uh, seeing um simon mcburney at the barbican with his his play what was his play called again it was incredible we we um I went to see it, and it was, everyone had a headset, and it was, uh, it, it, it just, it made it all very, very immediate and very personal. The encounter? The encounter, yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Um, and, but yeah, so, and so hopefully we'll create a similar effect um, in people's earphones and earpods or whatever, and, and they'll feel, it'll feel like a conversation, like you're listening to a very long voicemail and it'll have that personal feeling like a friend of yours is telling you a story and that that's what that that um that delicacy is is what's so accessible in Al's play because it um it feels like like a family member is is spinning a yarn it's handing over you handing over to you the um the sort of uh the gift of history as a present all wrapped up in a bow it's it's uh potted history and it's um it's 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 uh it's a it's a gem of it's a gem of a play i think it's it's really gorgeous yeah really beautiful beautifully written so um such detail in a way that doesn't it never patronizes its audience it's it's always um this is this is amazing and i think it's amazing are you with me that's the kind of gesture I think, um, and that's what we hope to to get to. Yeah. I don't know why you were worried about not being articulate. Oh, good. good. I don't know. I, I've, I don't know. I'm just. I'm, 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 I'm. Do you do you like interviews? Do you, um, I don't really. I don't really feel strongly if I like them or don't like them. I mean, I think it's just it's just odd. It's just odd. I don't. I, I always think, why are you talking to me? Why are you bothered about what I've got to say? I always feel like that. I always feel like. I, I've, I, yeah, very, um, it's kind of, yeah, e- embarrassed, <laughs> uh, but, but that's just because the focus is on me and I'm not, um, I'm not always comfortable with, it, it's, 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 I find it more easy if I'm playing a character and to have people listen to me or talk to me, mm. um, because then you're, you're, you're hiding behind, hopefully not too thick of a veneer, but, um, hopefully a paper thin lace of, somebody else mm-hmm. um so you don't have it's not quite as exposing but when it's just you but I, yeah I, you know this this well, is nice <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> that reminds me of i don't know if you've heard the, the ridiculous notion about lorraine kelly oh right no what what so to know? avoid tax uh-huh. for some reason uh she's claimed that she plays a character when she is presenting her tv oh show. my god so is that true the character she plays the character Lorraine Kelly when she presents Lorraine. That is amazing. Yeah. I didn't know she, she... You'd have to pretend to be the actor. Adam she does Gillen. feel like that, actually. She does feel like it's a presented... Nobody's that Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she is. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you do have to present a version of yourself. Or, or, or be comfortable with... Or come in and out of it, I guess. Yeah. 
So you mentioned about sound in in theatre. Mm-hmm. You were part of one of the encounter for you. Mm. Amadeus felt like that to me. Oh right, okay. Um, very different from radio. Yes. You ha- went from having one man on the stage in this. Yep. You were part of. You had a symphonia mm. on the stage with that. What was that like for you? Um, well, it was. I realised the emotional effect sound can have in, in and I realised the emotional the way that emotion is accessed through classical in inverted commas music that I'd never really I'd never really listened to orchestral music of any to any great degree and to be in amongst these people playing these instruments um, with such um, skill and 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 um, experiencing that sitting right by an oboe you know <laughs> so, um, what and watching the strings being drawn across a cello and 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 feeling the 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 uh the sort of yeah the i just experienced music in a way that i never have before um and it was a complete and utter privilege and it, i i it took me it made me think about what what people must have thought you know in mid 18th century when they heard this music for the first time how how that must have felt that must have been a just explosions of fireworks in your chest you know mm-hmm. it just just like i think i would have wailed at the first um the first sea or something you know i would i really really it was it was an incredible experience to be to be part of that and to be underscored by mozart while you're speaking or while something is is happening in a scene, it was I don't, well, I'll definitely never have that experience ever again, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll always remember that lesson of of the emotional impact of music and and how it can change your outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was just it was a hell of an adventure, and I'll, I'll, I'll always miss it. It's very special. And I think it's a prime example of what you were saying earlier about being reactive mm. in that you and Lucy and mm. you must have bounced off each other so much. Yeah, we did. We did. We, we, uh, we felt truly like we became those, those people. <laughs> and um, that, to have that um, partnership with another actor, it was like I, I felt like, I, I felt, I hope he felt like that. But I felt like with Lucy and to have, to go at it every night with like a, it was like a fight, you know, like a, a tactical war for two and a half hours, three hours. Again, if I didn't get on with it, um, <laughs> but we, we, it was, it was, it was really, really thrilling to be a part of, and thrilling to be in that partnership with him, and to to spar every night for for almost a year in total. Mm. Um, we felt like we became that those um um we became the the um the music that these people produced. We came like he became sort of bitter and heavy and sort of um he, he and I became sort of a fucking excuse me a uh, yeah, a a sort of a, a whirly gig <laughs> uh, and then that was it was it was enormously enjoyable. It was it was a real true adventure. Um, and we built it from the from the ground up with Michael Longhurst, the director. We built it, um, and and the orchestra and the Southbank Symphonia. We built it like brick by brick. We made something 
that was that felt um not quite but some nights equal to the power of the music and that that was that was that was something else that it really was yeah. to say that you missed it you were lucky enough that you brought it back yeah i yeah. saw it the second time round right and did you change much between the two because there was a moment mm. there yeah. was there was a moment where you you dabbed I dabbed. And, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I remember vividly thinking, I don't think you would have done that a year and a half ago. No, and that was probably pushing the envelope <laughs> to entertain myself, if anybody else. But I thought he, Mozart was in a, his music at the time. People hadn't heard anything like it. It was modern. It was new. It was, it was the equivalent of I don't know techno in the eighties. It was mm. it was it was a new it was a new sound, and I thought. And, and, and a modern sound and I thought that if Mozart was here now he'd be dabbing <laughs> so I gave it a dab <laughs> and so you brought that back last year and then yeah. there was an overlap between Killer Joe rehearsal style yes which is the last time we spoke so that was, mm. was that the last piece of theatre you did uh, yes it was yeah yeah. and we uh, yeah I was doing that in the day I was doing Killer Joe in the day so Texas trailer park and then off to Vienna at night so that was quite a contrast. A much, much darker place, though, Killer Joe. Yeah, much darker place. Um, kind of, uh, yeah, really um, murky and and twisted and sad, desperately sad. People that were desperately sad, just going nowhere, stuck in a hole. Um, uh, hopeless. Playing hopeless people is really takes its toll on you. I found myself being very down. <laughs> uh, well, I, I get, yeah, I, I sometimes on the way to work, I'd be a bit like, oh God, this is, this is quite, um, it's quite a thing to enter into, you know, killing your own mum. <laughs> Something you take on and um, you, you, it, it sits in your bones. Um, and so it was, that la- the last night of Killer Joe was, to shed that and let go of all that was was not to say it wasn't again enormously exciting. It was it was a, a thrilling play and a and a real absurd place to go to that you never think you'll you'll go to. And as an actor, you never know what stories are coming your way or what who who what people are coming your way. Um, but uh, <clears throat> that was it, again again it was it was. It was something that were, I love going to the other, doing something else, you know, going somewhere else, meeting other uh, characters and being, being other people that I am, I'm not and are very far away from me. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, went back last night, it was nice to shed. Do you often kind of take on the character then? Like you said, when you were doing Amadeus, you yeah. were like a... Uh, I was kind of, boun- I was much more bouncy when I was doing that. Yeah. I think, I, I guess... Not in a sort of pretentious way. You you do take on if every night you go through these feelings of feelings of loss or feelings of the exhilaration of creation, um, something is going to stick. I think something something you'll carry something with with you through your day. It's just I think it's natural if you. Well, it's like any any practice. You you repeat something enough times. You, you it gets into your bones. It gets into your muscles. You, you, you play. That's how. That's how people learn to play tennis. They do it over and over and over and over and over again until they're not. Until they're doing it without even thinking about it. And I think it's the same with emotions. Mm-hmm. 
it's just repetition and you, it doesn't it doesn't you can't always shed it immediately um, so how are you feeling on the way in and out of radio rehearsals at the moment yeah I'm, I'm quite in a it's a day-to-day thing at the moment um but at the at the moment like yesterday I felt like we strung things together and much better than we have done up to I say we I did. <laughs> I remembered the things that I was told and and um, and tried to thread things together much much more fluidly than I have. Um, and so I'm feeling all right. And I slept well last night, so that always helps. Mm-hmm. It's God, how well these rehearsals go depends so much on how I've slept. I think it's it's quite like it's remarkable the responsibility that you have when it's just you talking, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, I'm I'm just coming to terms with uh, it's all it's well it's not all on me. There's wonderful tech support and brilliant um, director director direction from Josh, um, but uh, taking that on taking my part of the bargain on is is something that I'm I'm just coming to terms with uh, and and being okay with uh, being okay with that. <laughs> yeah. So Killer Joe ended. Yes. You shed that skin. Yes. Nine, ten months later, mm. Olivier Award nomination. Yeah, yeah. That was a massive shock. Yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't, I didn't really, you never really know. Because it, it was, it was, it was hard. I felt like it was hard work, Killer Joe. It was a hard work of a, of a play just because of what, what we all, what you go through with, with that story and what, with that, um, with that atmosphere that was created and it was uh, it's a challenging play not everybody liked it it was quite polarizing um which i enjoyed i, I like people having strong reactions to things a lot of people didn't like it i didn't know i didn't really know how many how, the the um i didn't allow myself to take on too much of the reaction because uh, it's not your job to 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 walk out there and think you're a success or to even to walk out there and think you're a failure. Every night, new people are coming to see it, so it's a new experience, and you, you're hoping people will um, be, be, you know, be taken on that roller coaster ride. But it was, it was like, uh, it was like stepping into a washing machine every night. It was such a, a turbulent um, uh, play. Um, so I didn't really, and I know, I know I, I, like I said, I know it polarized a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So. And it wasn't the favourite thing on on stage that at that period. So, but to hear that people, you know, up there, up in the in the in the um, in the important spots, thought I was good was really special, really special. I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't feel worthy of it at all. I felt so, I felt so touched that I'd been recognised in any way. I just couldn't believe it. So yeah, it was a real, beauti- a beautiful surprise. Mm-hmm. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. A quick interval reminder now to let you know that you can see Adam in the play Radio at the Arcola Theatre until the 13th of July, or you can listen to the play, which is available on Audible. As ever, we kicked off the second part of the podcast with some quickfire questions. Every guest who comes onto the podcast has to make their way through 10 quickfire questions as quickly as they can. Some have made it sound easy. Adam, not so much. Ready? Ready. Favourite ever role? Amadeus at Mozart. First show you saw? 
Uncle Vanya. Best holiday destination. In Spain. Most used app on your phone. Twitter. Last play you saw. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, f- oh no. When did I see a play? Uh, oh God. Oh no. What did I see? What did I see? Oh no, I don't remember. God. Oh no. Was it? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what I've seen recently. Listener, I wish you could hit, see the face I can see. Uh-huh. That's a dread. Oh my god. What did I say? See, I paid for tickets to see. Oh, sweet charity. Oh. <laughs> Acting idol. Uh, Tom Courtney. Dressing room essential. Peppermint tea. Interval drink. Red wine. Favourite theatre in London. Young Vic. A uh, role you've always wanted to play. Richard III. Okay, one minute 13. <laughs> terrible. That's, that's not bad, given that's you had terrible. a mini breakdown. Oh no, I can't remember what I'd seen. It was Sweet Charity, yeah. Oh God. I, bet, I guess we better talk about it. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really dark and trippy. Yeah. And I loved the, I loved the film. And um Namri Duff, I've always been an enormous fan of, and seeing um, seeing her, yeah, I'd never, I'd never taken on the, the the tragedy of that 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 woman's life, that character's life, and the way it ended so bleakly was was the right kind of unsatisfying, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't clean, it wasn't in, it wasn't uh, all neatly done up with a nice bow, and uh, and. The um, choreography, the foss is it fussy? Mm-hmm. Um, I love the angular sort of, sort of muscular um, nature and the, the weirdness of of his choreography is always. I, I don't think I've oh I don't think I've ever seen any fussy, true fussy stuff on stage. So that was really cool, and I was very close to the front, so it was all there. Yeah, it's hard um, not to be in the Donmar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I saw. I, I like seeing musicals in the Donmar. I saw. Uh, well, I say I've only seen two, but the last one I saw before that was um, Parade mm-hmm. with Bertie Carvel, and that was just, oh, just jaw-droppingly incredible. Just, just, just like it's like being hit in the face in a good way, and he was just brilliant. Have you done much musical work? No, no. I mean, I can sing. Sort of. Good. <laughs> you want me to do a bit? Yeah, go on. Um, I'm not going to do a bit. Um, I wouldn't. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I've, I can sing to a degree, but I've never. No, I've never. And I've sang in plays before, uh, but I've never done what you might call a musical. But I'd love to do that one. I'd love to do Parade one day, because mm-hmm. that part is just so, so intense. Um, yeah, and it must be. And I love the feeling of singing. You do feel elated whenever, whenever I've sung or I've done an audition that I obviously haven't got, or um, I've had a singing lesson and you come out of it and you just feel lighter than air. It's like, it's like we as human beings need to make a lot of noise mm-hmm. and then they fi- we feel like we, we, we're empty now. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've exhausted that. We've really worked that muscle out. But I do feel, yeah, it's, you get a real high after singing. Um, well, I do anyway. Am I doing it right? I don't know if I'm doing it right. Maybe I'm not doing it right. Yeah. 
Can't do it wrong there as well. That's the beauty of it. Exactly. Yeah. Can't do it wrong. Exactly. So a musical at the Young Vic mm. is is the the dream, right? The next. Maybe. Role. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. That would be nice. I love that theatre. I love being there. I love the. I did a play there a long time ago called The Good per- Person of Set Swan, um, a Brecht play, uh, and it was it was a really exciting time and and just being around the building felt very. It was very. It felt very buzzy. At that time, I don't know what it's like now. Obviously, I'm sure it's 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 um, very exciting. Now, um, the new artistic director's taken over, but I, it felt like you were really, um, yeah, felt really, um, really you felt really supported as an actor. Mm-hmm. And then the problem with me doing that bit is mm. that I'm so concentrated on the next question. Oh yeah, I don't always hear your answer. Oh, right, that's fine. Your acting idol was Tom Courtney. Tom Courtney. Yeah. I uh, in the f- I I I, well, I saw Uncle Vanya when I was sixteen, I think. Um, so I hadn't really been to the theatre very much before that. I mean, I might have seen Cats. Mm-hmm. I think I saw Cats, and I sat on the aisle and was absolutely terrified. And I don't really remember much about it. All I remember is just flashing eyes right on my shoulder. I don't think I was concentrating for the rest of the show because it was just I just kept expecting someone to jump out on me. Um, so that's quite traumatic. But I um, but Tom Courtney and Uncle Vanya was just masterclass at he's this hyper sort of realistic um um fully rounded created human being on stage in front of me i'll never forget that really i'll never it's always he he he, his work is something i always aspire to to um i've always well he's he's a he's another teacher i guess Mm-hmm. Whenever I've seen him, and I've gone, oh, he did it like that, or or he achieved um, something in that silence that was so layered and uh, rich. Um, that is something I will try and achieve one one day. I get a similar one one day a character that I'm playing with in a similar situation, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, loneliness, loneliness of the long distance runner, Billy Liar, and. and most recently the film he did with Charlotte Rampling was was just oh, just those just this this wealth of emotion like that he's holding back the ch- the tide of is is and somebody that is so behind those eyes so much is happening um and you you hardly see anything but you know it's there and and that that is that's something that it's like magic how do you how do you do that how do you practice it how do you learn that as an actor I don't know I think you've just gotta you gotta be comfortable comfortable enough to and take take on the the experiences and the the history that the play is, is or the film or the TV show has given you and um, and just let it sink into your bones I guess I I, I, I imagine and that's what I hope hope to achieve um, whenever you take something on, you don't want to take. You want to literally take it on. You want it to be in your bones and in your skin and your, in your muscles and your in your in your in your flesh and sort of let it come out. Yeah, that seems to be the takeaway from what we've been talking about the last forty odd minutes. Is yeah, that you really do take the character on. It leaves the theatre with you. Yeah, you come in like him. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's it's playful and creative. It's it's uh, it's it's um, 
the artistry of something is is when it's at, when it's done right theatre or you know the creative arts when it's done right you've got to mean it and own it and um and try and uh and yeah try and just try and communicate that it's all about yeah it's all about trying to tell a story in the most real way possible mm. Thanks again to Adam for chatting to me there. You can see him in radio at the Arcola Theatre in London until the 13th of July. Until next time, you can keep up to date on all things theatre at londontheatre.co.uk. Bye-bye. The music in this episode is Loopster by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0.